0: Goldsberg, probably the best beer in the world. He is the most interesting man in the world. We will sell no wine before it's time. And you'll see why 1984 won't be like 1984.
1: This is the Sonic Truth Podcast. I'm Scott Simonelli. You've just heard some of the most recognizable ads voiced by some of the most recognizable voices. Voice. It's important, and that's not
2: changing. 50% of all searches will be by voice um, by 2020.
1: That's Lauren Nagel, Pandora's VP and executive creative director, with who we recently did a study of 200 voices to determine which works best for a given ad campaign.
2: Your consumers are gonna be talking to you, so really the question becomes, what are you gonna say back?
1: Lauren is this episode's guest. But before we dive into an interview, it's time to play a little game we call putting you on the audio spot. Oh, geez. Here, we'll play you three ads that were all analyzed against thousands of ads on the Veritonic platform. You're going to tell us which ones you think test the best for optimism and engagement. Okay, here we go. Your engine sing. So, Lauren, what did you what did you think of that one?
2: Well, uh, I mean, you know. I had a panic attack for like the first 15 seconds Um, that maybe that was supposed to inspire excitement, um, but it made me feel like I should be wearing a seatbelt and maybe not necessarily in the best way. But then when the opera comes on, you know, I feel like that's a huge cue of like, this is an epic moment um, and I should I should feel excited. So um, that was pretty good. I mean, when we're thinking about optimism and excitement, um, I mean, I'm a I'm a huge fan fan of sound design sort of creating the feelings for us as you know sort of directing us with theater of the mind as opposed to a voice with a message telling me how to feel. Um, So I, I was I was certainly inspired by that. I was feeling all the feelings.
1: Okay good good. So we'll see the algorithm is is nervous now after that good, accurate description. so
2: Yeah, take that, robot.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you're off to a good start. So let's go on to clip number two.
0: To the visionary who first saw a tentacled brain sack and thought, lunch. See, when it comes to looking inedible, the squid goes all out. Tentacles, suckers, Big blobby eyes, there's even a beak in there somewhere. All clear signals that this thing ain't for eating. So who in their right mind looks at raw squid Mm -hmm. and says, that's the snack for me? Mm. What a weirdo, what a hero. Because as we know, squid turned out to be one of life's greatest pleasures. Char-grilled squid salad, chili squid linguine, crisp calamari dunked in mayo. So here at Hellman's, we'd like to say a heartfelt thank you to the visionary who first ate squid. Because at Hellman's,
1: we're on the side of food. You wanted sound design? You got sound design. So what did you think (laughs) of that one, Lauren?
2: I take it all back. I, I I, I, don't know. I'm supposed to eat lunch right after this. I'm rethinking my options here. Um, so, I mean, I again, I do love the use of sound design in terms of showing and not telling uh, the juxtaposition with the sort of like authoritative um, British accent um, was super interesting with the sort of comical um, copy and that 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 sort of comparison between the playfulness of the sound design with this sort of authority of the voice, I think, is really interesting. I found the spot to be really long. Um, It kind of lost me halfway through, and it was quite a long time before I heard what the actual uh, brand was or what what I was supposed to be getting out of it. Um, So that one for me was a little bit less exciting and optimistic versus the... uh, Versus the panic-inducing car
1: motor, right? Okay, now definitely an interesting one. And, and as we've seen before, you know, mentioning uh, when you mention the brand and kind of time as it relates to audio advertising is important. That's an you know it's interesting with all the the sound design going on that that you did notice that the brand was was not mentioned until very late in the in the spot. Um, okay, so let's move on to uh, track number
0: three. Ian's proper croque monsieur. The odd thing about me and my dad's love of a croque, monsieur, is that we've only been to France together once. It was back in 93 and it was the last thing we ate before getting back on the ferry. So every time he comes over now, I make one, without fail. It's our thing, you know. Nice thick-cut white bread, a couple of slices of cured ham or turkey or both. Lovely. And of course, Gruyere cheese. I think that's how you say it. Well, that's how Dad says it, so it's right in my book. Find Ian's proper croque monsieur recipe online and in store. Food Love Stories, brought to you by Tesco.
1: So we knew you were about to have lunch after this, so um, we tried to give you some appropriate (laughs) choices here. So what did you think of that one, Lauren?
2: That was lovely. I really like the use of music in that spot to sort of aid in the emotional arc. You know, I think a lot of folks use music just as like, we're going to blast music behind this message and it's going to, you know, contribute to the overall energy. But that was a really nice use of music to actually emphasize what was happening in the narrative as opposed to just to sort of give you an idea of the brand itself. So I would say it was less exciting for me, um, but it felt uh, more optimistic. And and it really, I mean, he certainly painted a picture with the words and we had some sound design there, but I love that it was a food love story. I actually felt that. And it almost makes up for the squid sounds that you played me a couple minutes ago.
1: Okay, great. Later on, we'll let you know how you did and how you stacked up against our scores.
2: I was uh, raised by a jazz musician father. My dad is a jazz pianist. Um, My mom was a high school counselor. And I actually grew up playing playing the piano myself. You know, I really understood the language of music before I knew how to speak or write in English. I found myself always sort of writing music. I went to school for theater in Chicago, um, which was an awesome experience and was always really like super into the arts, super into storytelling. I was a creative writing double major. You know, I was pretty much uh, doing all the things that meant I was never gonna make any money. Uh, That was guaranteed and um, found myself um, actually working on a project in my 20s. That was for some some friends from the theater world who decided to put together a film and they asked me to score the film so to do the music for this. And I said yes without having any idea what that meant or how to do it, um, which might be a, a theme, a running theme through my career. Say yes, figure it out later. Uh, which is how I got into this podcast Um, and I uh, I scored this film I had an incredible time scoring this film met a producing partner along the way and that is how I got into composing music for film which turned into composing music for advertising so that is actually how I got into the ad world was through audio and through music specifically. Um, So in 2011, when Pandora was just starting to do audio advertising, I had many friends who worked here. Pretty much if you were a musician in the Bay Area in the 2000s, you were trying to work at Pandora. Um, This is definitely like... Uh, an epicenter of music lovers and music geeks. And they were starting this audio advertising team, and it just so happened to be the exact intersection of my skill set of needing to both write copy for advertising and also write music for the advertising. So in its earliest inception at Pandora, there were only three or four of us, and we were basically um, writing spots for, for clients and also writing the music for clients. Um, and that's, that's really how I ended up at Pandora and in advertising in general. And I have just kept saying yes and figuring it out later along the way. So I find myself seven years in, which if anyone knows, like in the tech world is like a hundred tech dog years or whatever. (laughs) Um, and, you know, started as a coordinator and composer. And um, now, you know, it's an honor to to actually run the department that I started in. So super exciting.
1: So much has changed in the last seven years, um, not just at Pandora, but just kind of in, in the world of audio as it relates to marketing and advertising. And that will continue to evolve over time, I'm, I'm sure. Um, and so how, why do you think like... Audio and voice have become so important now when people are looking at their marketing agenda. Um, it seems to be moving more into, into prominence. Why do, you, why do you think that is?
2: Alexa, the internet-connected home assistant device, she's listening. I mean, audio is having a huge moment right
1: now. Alexa, the voice service that powers Amazon Echo is just a voice command away.
2: There's so much technology that is turning us away from screens and into a voice-activated world. And if you think about you know, voice, voice is audio, that's an audio experience. Um, so, you know, I think there's something like 60% increase year over year with smart speaker uh, units purchased. Um Seven out of 10 folks who actually say that they own a a smart speaker say that they listen to more audio content because of it. Um, And there's some, you know, insane stats about voice searches and the way that 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 will increase. I think 50 percent of all searches will be by voice um, by 2020. So all of that is audio. You know, I think sometimes people forget we get into like the voice space. But really, that's that's a conversation conversation. and from a brand perspective, your consumers are going to be talking to you. So, really, the question becomes,
1: what are you going to say back? Right now, and, and it's amazing to see just you know just how those metrics, like things like time spent, things like voice searches, that conversation, those metrics that you put out there, they can't be ignored. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, you know, obviously audio is a big part of every you know, kind of human existence. But as technology starts to break down some of those barriers, and just you know, the fact that the speaker's there in your house and you can kind of talk to it um or that you know, the content's there on demand in your car on your headphones. Like it just it's one small thing that just takes that barrier down and makes it a little easier to consume audio and obviously creates a great opportunity for advertisers and, and marketers because now you've got somebody who is engaged, um and, you know, people don't like to pay for things. So there's a great way to <laughs> kind of integrate advertising into that. And so I mean you've been building ad creative at Pandora since two thousand eleven. <laughs> so I mean As the markets become more, you know, in some ways, obsessed with audio, uh, how has Pandora's direction changed over time?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, we've really been living and breathing audio from from jump, right? I mean, Pandora in and of itself is an audio content experience. It's a listening experience driven by by music. It's not long,
1: that tiny moment of anticipation before the next song, but it's all the time we need. We've already studied every note, every beat, to bring you this song, your song, right
0: here.
2: And what's funny is that we actually haven't changed direction. I mean, it's almost like what what you said as far as we've been doing this from the beginning. And as I said earlier, like now people are sort of starting to get on board. So I think what's really interesting is just watching... watching and hearing folks get on board with that. You know, in in our earliest days, I remember we were recruiting voice talent who didn't sound like radio broadcast because we understood that the ecosystem, that the unique sort of listening environment of Pandora was really different from AM FM terrestrial radio. Um, And so I remember like putting Craigslist ads out in the world, like trying to find voice actors who actually weren't voice actors Um, because every voice actor, you know, we we, uh, auditioned at the time was like Sunday, 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 you know, really coming from this broadcast world where that overall tone didn't make sense. Um, So I think to answer your question, it's really just been about From its inception, Pandora has always been about audio um, and about storytelling through an audio experience. And so it's been really fun to sort of watch the world and watch consumers and thus advertisers catch on to this format of storytelling. And technology and the sort of evolution of those smart speakers and the ubiquity of mobile has only
1: furthered that evolution. In some ways, you change by staying the same and kind of hanging in there. I mean, I think, you know, we've seen it just in the last three years here at Veritonic, but it's, you know, so much has changed in that world, but a lot of it is coming back to things that you've probably been doing for a long time. Um, And I think what a lot of people don't realize, certainly I didn't uh, right away, was just how much of a creative partnership exists between Pandora and and the brands that advertise on Pandora. So how how does that work? How do you partner with your clients on creative?
2: Yeah, I think we partner with with clients in all different ways. And it really depends on where that client is in their own understanding of, of an audio strategy, which we could spend a lot of time talking about. <laughs> um, so, I mean, you're right. It's been a really interesting experience because I think that um, Pandora sort of blurs this line and my team in particular blurs this line of agency and publisher. You know, we're working with a really broad, range of clients. So every everyone from that mom and pop shop that is, you know, in Albuquerque that is used to doing local radio are coming to us and wanting production services for their audio spot to these massive global digital advertisers who maybe have never done audio at all or who are doing audio in a radio format and really trying to understand what makes a Pandora listening experience different? What makes a streaming uh, experience different? And how might they need to shift the telling of their story and the audio space to match our environment? And that's a lot of what, what my team does. So really, you know, sitting down with clients, I think it's, um the, you know, the sort of what you would imagine as far as let's first and foremost understand your objective. Um, Let's understand really what the goal What the goal of your messaging is, who's the audience that you're trying to reach? I mean, one of the most fun things about being uh, in creative at Pandora is that our targeting capabilities are so crazy that we actually know who we're talking to. Um, We like to say that we're reaching millions of listeners, but we're reaching them one listener at a time. So that really allows so much sort of creative flexibility uh, within how we craft our messages, making sure that, hey, the way that you would talk to this person is probably different than the way that you would talk to this other person. And how can we make sure that a brand's message is consistent throughout those spaces, but also uniquely targeted uh, to that specific consumer?
1: An interesting thing, I mean, we've seen it um, here at Veritonic where, you know, a lot of what we were testing, you know, a couple of years ago was, was music, right? You know, what's the right music for this ad? Should I use this track? Should I work with this? artists, and that still happens every day, but we're seeing such uh, this kind of you know emphasis come back to voice, and we're actually seeing you know a lot of data around you know showing that one voice might be very different from another voice, and it may not seem that way on the surface. And and so, where do you feel um, that sets up you know with certain elements of an ad? Is is it more important? You know, is one more important than the other? Is is it is it the marriage of the two? Where do music and voice fit together in your mind?
2: Yeah, you know, I. I do think that it's a marriage I mean I think that this is if you think about like what's the visual version of this question it's almost like you're asking what's more important the color or the shape. Um, these things have to work together, you know, and I actually think it's a huge mistake to think about them separately. Now, I get excited when anyone's thinking about any element of audio. So if, you know, if folks want to really think about what that music is or really think about what that voice is, like, I love that they're just thinking about it at all. Um, but I do think that these things have to be, have to be considered together, you know, um. As I was saying earlier, when we were listening to to those spots at the beginning, when you put me on the on the old audio spot there, uh, thinking about the ways that music amplifies the emotional arc of a narrative is extremely important to me, Um, as opposed to music that is just let's throw a music bed behind this because it conveys a certain energy. I think that is such a waste of of music and such a waste of of what music can do for you now? Maybe I'm biased because I'm coming from a background of film scoring, right? Where like mm. every single note of a film score is
1: actually extremely deliberate to forward an emotional arc. It's an interesting dynamic because and in, in, in when there's no visual, um, you know, the voice just matters so much, and it, it's such a very specific thing. It's so innate, um, and certain music um, can can kind of melt, you know, kind of. M- You kind of blend it together like one piece of audio might sound similar to another piece of audio whereas one voice might sound like you know terrible to one person and and amazing to another because there's just something very specific about it so to that end i mean how how historically um you know before we get into the into the details of what you're doing today how historically did you select which voices to use you mentioned ads on craigslist um earlier (laughs) but like you know um beyond that like you know did you choose the next person up in line or kind of how did you how did you do that uh historically
2: yeah, I mean, we've always been really interested in sort of what is this what is this conversational tone? What does it mean to actually, you know, I think an announcer, this sort of traditional broadcast announcer voice is the equivalent of standing on a pitcher's mound and sort of shouting to a stadium. We're looking for the voice who is the person who is sitting next to you, um, introducing an offer that that you know they think you will really enjoy so really that's more of a human you know and I think this honestly follows the evolution of voice creative in general um, when you think back to 1930s radio and sort of this like uh, announcer voice was was part of this mid-atlantic accent um, which really is this accent that was bridging content from the UK and from the you know um, American East Coast. Um, and it was to unify content across these across these countries, but also for for Americans to sort of take on the elite sophistication of of a fake British accent. It's sort of like how Madonna talks now. <laughs> um, but that's like the earliest form of what broadcast is. Now we're much more in a space of hearing how a true, how a true bona fide human speaks, you know, hearing the vocal fry, hearing breath, um, where we used to, I think, pull all of that stuff out to go for this, like, extreme polish and perfection. Now we want to hear people who sound like people. So I think historically, Pandora was actually always going for that. Who is, how do you sound more like a, a friend who's Telling me about something that I would enjoy the same way that we'd want to play the next best song for you. We want to play the next best ad for you. And we want to make sure that that offer sounds like it's coming from, you know, an authentic, sincere, trusted source as opposed to a salesperson.
1: Pandora wanted to see the impact that voice alone had on emotional resonance with listeners. They wanted to know, are certain voices much more exciting, authentic, sincere, or even more likable than others, even when played from the same script? So what we did was play respondents the exact same ad with different voiceover artists and see what they thought.
2: In today's world, preoccupied is my normal state of being. So while I'm busy remembering what emails to send and when to book my next dentist appointment, I find myself wondering, who sings this song? Or where did I put my keys this time? Or even, I came into the living room for something. What was it? So, I got True Compass GPS Navigator. Because remembering to pick up the dry cleaning is more important than remembering where the dry cleaner is. Shop now at
1: truecompass.com. The data showed that this particular voice scored high for energy, but not so well when it came to sincerity. And Lauren, do you, do you feel that? Do you hear that?
2: Yeah, so I think you're you're actually hearing some of that same pattern, right? Where that actually tested really high in terms of energy, but then lower in authenticity and sincerity. So I think it's that same sort of correlation between when you're when you're more energetic and when you're more hyped, are you so energetic that we actually start start to not believe you? Um, And how do we make sure, depending on, again, what is the objective of the brand, that you're actually hitting those attributes in exactly the way that you intend to? So
1: let's go on to clip number two.
2: In today's world, preoccupied is my normal state of being. So while I'm busy remembering what emails to send and when to book my next dentist appointment, I find myself wondering, who sings this song? Or where did I put my keys this time? Or even... I came into the living room for something. What was it? So, I got a True Compass GPS navigator because remembering to pick up the dry cleaning is more important than remembering where the dry cleaner is. Shop
1: now at truecompass.com. Okay, so Lauren, what did you think of that one?
2: Yeah, well, what's interesting about this one, right, is that it's actually a little bit lower in energy um compared to the to the first voiceover, but then we're seeing higher scores in both authenticity and sincerity. So again, there's that interesting correlation between sort of like how hyped is this and how much do I believe you? So I thought that was a
1: really interesting comparison. Interesting. Yeah. I think believability is not like a thing we score for, but that's really important now that you bring it up. It's like that authenticity is, is it's almost how credible is this? And we see that matter quite a bit across different um, different verticals and financial services, for example, um, that authenticity is is even more important than for for other products. Um, and so, in addition to the emotional resonance, uh, the power of, of of ad creative to make someone actually want to buy the product is is obviously a primary concern of of every marketer, right? People want that attribution; they want to know that their ads are effective. So, Pandora also used this test to uh, understand purchase intent. So, we're going to play another another clip.
0: In today's world, preoccupied is my normal state of being. So while I'm busy remembering what emails to send and when to book my next dentist appointment, I find myself wondering, who sings this song? Or where did I put my keys this time? Or even, I came into the living room for something. What was it? So I got a True Compass GPS Navigator. Because remembering to pick up the dry cleaning is more important than remembering where the dry cleaner is. Shop now at truecompass.com.
1: OK, so here's an example of, of a VO that showed the highest jump in, in purchase intent after somebody listened to the ad. So, Lauren, what do you think about this spot that kind of compels people to say, I want to buy this product?
2: OK, so with this one, again, thinking about that correlation of energy and authenticity and sincerity, that's sort of lower in the energy space, but actually higher in authenticity and sincerity. And then we're seeing that jump in purchase intent. So... What what this sort of leads me to believe, and I know this is a very small sample set, and we're talking about a very specific sort of vertical and experience and message, um, is that for this, sincerity and authenticity were really connected to to that purchase intent. Um, and that was something that was inspiring listeners uh, to to actually buy into that product.
1: Great. So now that you have more hard data around what's an effective voice uh, and a voiceover artist and the things that, that really... Um, certain voices are are well suited for. Uh, How does that change the way that um, you use, that you kind of select voiceover artists and what are some of the big learnings that you you kind of got from this study and and what are some of the takeaways?
2: So I think the biggest learnings here overall, the biggest learnings are that voice really matters, right? I mean, it's exactly what you said earlier in terms of uh, voices are extremely personal, are extremely nuanced. And while we might think that, hey, uh, you know, all all sort of upbeat or positive or optimistic voices sound the same, um, they really don't. And they really have different effects on on our audiences. So there were some really interesting patterns we saw in this, um, such as looking Solely at purchase intent, uh, female sounding voices had a much more pronounced positive impact on purchase intent among women, while men responded almost equally favorably to both male and female voices when it came to purchase intent. Now, I also feel like I just want to give this disclaimer here around, you know, like gender on the binary spectrum and uh, and the fluidity therein. So we're talking about folks who have identified as female or male or have, um, you know, are sounding female or male. But I just feel like that's something that I want to say is important to me um so it's it is really interesting to think about uh, what is that audience reaction to to a gendered voice or to perceived gendered voice um, and seeing that female voices across the board um, actually had higher purchase intent for for the entire audience so this all said this isn't Definitive research. As we only analyzed one script, we realized that these kinds of preferences were likely vary depending on things like product category and vertical. So, like, we're really just scratching the surface here. Um, so, when I think about you know, what, how are we gonna use this or what do I wanna do next? I really want to do more testing. You know, I think that we have clients all the time who ask us sort of these big sweeping, uh, qu- you know, questions on insights like, should I use a male or a female VO or should I have, um, you know, an, a certain age sounding voice talent? And this test is showing me that audiences really do have preferences and that emotional resonance really does connect to purchase intent. So it makes me super excited about all of the possibilities that we have to test this further and to test this against a client's objective. Because I think there isn't a silver bullet here, right? It's not not all brands actually want to sound um, optimistic or want to sound excited and want to inspire those feelings in a listener. It really depends on what, what the objective is, what does the brand stand for, what is the brand actually asking of listeners in this moment, how are we inspiring that call to action, and then how do we match that, you know, that perfect VO talent to the objective? So overall, super excited to to dig into this
1: even more. All right, so bring it back to uh, putting you on the audio spot. Uh, did Lauren and the robot agree on what was the most effective voiceover, and the winning ad was?
2: The first one.
1: Ad number one. It was an ad for Shell, which scored the best for optimistic and exciting. Yeah, yeah. I think you know, Lauren, you agreed. So I think your your taste, uh, your taste is is on on point, and I think you did did very well against the uh, the machine learning (laughs) and the algorithm. So thank you so much for, for talking with us today. I mean, there's, there's so much more that, that we, we can talk about, but I think, you know, looking at how Pandora uses creative, how Pandora um, is, is partnering with, it, with its clients um, and how data plays into that is just, Like we said earlier, we're in the very early stages of, of seeing how that can all work together and, and, and just exciting to be a part of that. So thank you so much.
2: Thank you. Such an honor and super excited to, you know, continue to partner together in the wonderful world of audio. And I'm sure everyone who's listening to this is already stoked. Well, you're having an audio experience right now, and you're already interested in stoked in audio. So welcome, welcome to the family.
1: That's about all the time we have for this episode. But thank you very much for joining us. Until next time. You've been listening to a podcast production of AW360, the year-round content destination from Advertising Week. Visit AW360 at 360.advertisingweek.com and be sure to check out the other AW360 podcasts now available on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Producers on this podcast are Richard Larson and Jack Hirschman with music provided by Audio Network. For more information on Advertising Week, the world's largest gathering of advertising, marketing, and technology leaders, now in five markets around the globe, visit www.advertisingweek.com.